thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, uh, grab your word. We are in that series, The Joshua Code. We're going to run that, just a little commercial. We're going to run that all the way up through about the end of September. I'm not going to finish the year with it. Um, we're going to go a little different direction, but I think you're going to enjoy the ride. Um, but we're going to run this till the end of, about the end of, se- end of September. I do want to tell you that you need to circle September 29th on your calendar. Just please circle that Sunday and just say nothing's going to stand in the way of that Sunday. I want to give that whole Sunday to the Lord. And uh, we've got uh, uh, special guests coming in. going to do a focus on building successful families. It's a one-day conference, morning and evening. So the 29th is a date that I need you to remember. Uh, we are in... Um, the Joshua Code, as I said, I want you to go in your word to Exodus. If you'll go to Exodus, go to Exodus chapter 20, the Big Ten, not talking about the Big Ten Conference, okay, Wisconsin, Iowa, not talking about Michigan State, none of that, uh, though it feels like football, brother, but we're not talking about the Big Ten, all right, but uh, we're talking about the Big Ten from in regards to the Big Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, if you have ever made a trip to Washington, D.C., to our, national, our nation's capital, engraved in granite on almost every building you walk in is the Ten Commandments. Uh, used to be in every courthouse, which some are trying to change, uh, you will see that posted. Uh, it is who we are as a country, what we are founded on, and if we ever wiggle away from that, my friends, mm, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, go to Exodus chapter 20. I want you to look at verse 2 and 3 with me. Verse 2 and 3. Exodus 20, verses 2 and 3. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me you shall have no other gods before me i want you to understand that the ten commandments are like boundaries boundaries are a good thing okay suppose friday night you're at falcon stadium and we're playing let's just say mule shoe because i just enjoy mule shoe i enjoy beating them but let's just say we're playing mule shoe and no offense to anyone that graduated from there, I love you. But we're playing mule shoe, and let's just say that there are no boundaries. So we hand the ball off, and our running back cuts the corner, but mm, it's kind of clogged up there on the end. He can't, he, can't, he can't get around the end. Well, since there's no boundaries, we just head up in the stands, hopping over hot chocolate, popcorn, Cokes, jumping over children. We run out to the parking lot, cut through all the cars, come around the snack shack, come around the concession, go up in the visitor stands, jump over some mule shoe fans, then hop back down and score a touchdown. Pretty crazy, isn't it? That's fun. I mean, the only one that enjoyed that was really running back, okay, because everybody else is dead. All them linemen, them interior linemen that started chasing that cat to the corner, they did not make it to the parking lot. Yeah. Now they're up in the stands going, that dude's crazy, man. I'll wait till he comes back around. I'm good. I mean, there's no way. You got to have boundaries. You got to. In life, you got to have boundaries. When is a train most effective? On the track. Train off the track is not a beautiful thing, just not pretty. Our lives 
off the track God designed. Mm. That's just not a beautiful thing. It's just not a beautiful thing. Would you agree? Our country off the train track that God designed is not a beautiful thing. It's just not, man. And I'm going to tell you something. When a train gets off a track, we, do ha- we have no control over who, who it kills. And when a country gets off its tracks, mm, it's out of control and we'll kill people. We'll, we'll, we have no control. We'll, we'll hurt people. Okay? So the Ten Commandments, I don't want you to see those as do's and don'ts and some restriction on you. Those are freedom. It's, it's freedom, man. If you look at the Ten Commandments and don't see freedom, you're, you're muffed up. You really are. You need to pray for yourself. Because the Ten Commandments, my friends, are boundaries by a holy God that says, if you play right in here, you're going to be rich and blessed. But if you think, just because you were hatched, that we need to redo the Ten Commandments because they're old-fashioned, then guess what? When you add number 11 and 12 and 13 to fit your life, guess what? You're out of control. You're just flat out of control. And don't say, God bless my life when I'm living in commandment 11, 12, and 13 because this just goes against who he is and he just won't do it. Ten commandments are a beautiful thing, but we've got to stay within them. I want you to look at some things. Brett, pop that up for me, brother, that first slide. Ten commandments. The first four define our relationship with God. The vertical ones. Getting the first commandment right also helps our relationship with others, which are addressed in the horizontal commandments, which are the next six. What did we just create? Thank you. Don't get too far from that, do we? Not even back in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Here and here. And my friends, when number one is number one, mm, them other nine just kind of flow. You get one out of place and two, three, four crumble, and you don't give a hoot. I almost said it again. You don't give a hoot about the next six. Okay? Some of y'all like, almost said what? Never mind. I'm glad you wasn't here. Okay? You don't give a hoot about the other six. Okay? You don't. Some of y'all are still grinning going, I remember when you said that. Uh, <laughs> but, but you don't. And that's why it's so important. You got to have the first one. The main thing, as we talked about several weeks ago, is to keep the main thing the main thing. And when that is right, and when that is first, and when that is where it's supposed to be, your relationships, much better. Much better. Okay? But when first is muffed up, the rest of them aren't either. Once you look at some principles here. Number one, God is present. I want you to see that in that scripture. Okay? I want you to turn to Exodus 3. You're going to think that Paxson and I hang out together. Well, you're right. We do. Okay? Man, there's my friend again. Um, Look at uh, Exodus chapter 3. Go to verse 13. Verse 13. Moses, I just love this. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, 
The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. He is still, mark my word, he is still the great I am. Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My friends, he is very present God. He is a present God. He is the great I am today. When the enemy starts messing with you, you just let him know that the great I am sent you. Just tell him that. Look, I don't know why you're messing with my family, but in the name of the great I am, you can go across the street. You got to bow up, and you got to get, you got, you got to get a little Jesus steroids, and you got to get after him. Okay, don't take it like a wet pretzel, because you're a king's kid. Okay, and you got to remind him that the great I am is not in the Old Testament. The great I am is today. He is still the great I am, and you are his kid. You bear his name. You bear his name, and you fight like you bear his name, and you bow up like you bear his name, and you defend and fight like you are carrying the name of the risen king, because you are. You are. You're not in any battle today that he's unaware of. Can I just tell you that? He, he knows right where you're at. The question is, what are you fighting with? Your own strength? You're beat already. You're beat already. You tying a prayer knot and hanging on? It ain't going to work. You got to fight with the word, with your sword, and you got to fight in the name of Jesus. You, de- you got to declare who you are, and you got to declare it in his face. Okay? I'm not telling you as a pastor it's good to get in anybody's face, but you can get in the enemy's face. Okay? And declare who he is. You are a king's kid. And he is the great I am. Principle number two. God is personal. God is personal. I heard a guy the other day just make a reference um, in a restaurant table over from me. That he goes to church because it's there he meets God. Now I know what he was saying. I think. And, and it is our desire that when you come here, you meet with God. But it is even much more my desire as your pastor that every single day you meet with him. See, I want you as a church and me to be filled daily. And then when I walk into the church, I am overflowing. I don't want the church to be my filling station. I need the church to be my saucer to catch all the stuff that's overflowing in my cup. You see, when I worship, it's not my first encounter of the week since last Sunday. 
It is continuation of a daily encounter with a living God. And I don't need five songs to get me there. I can start with one note. I mean, boom. It's not Paxton's job to get me into his presence. I ought to walk into it. Because what I've done Monday through Saturday is walk in his presence. And what I'm about to do on Sunday is overflow, dude. So if you're by me, you're just going to get wet whether you want to or not. Sorry. Just sorry. I mean, I've seen church where dude lives in his hand, all this stuff. And, and, and I always wonder why people have empty chairs next to him. Because you're going to get wiped out if you don't. All right? Dude, you got like a boundary around him. You know, He'll wipe you out. And now, we don't have that much room in here, so some of y'all are just going to have to duck and wave, you know, duck and move. You have to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. You're going to have to move a little bit. So here's the deal. You, this, I don't want you to see church as, man, I, I got to go, I, man, I'm empty. I got to get filled up, okay? I want you personally, with a personal God, daily walking with him in his presence and, and just, just being in his presence and, and feel you. So when you walk in here, <laughs> you're like a big old fat tick. You just bust and pop because you're just overflowing, man. You're just overflowing. And so that way when people are around you, they're like, dude, what, what, is, what is up with you? I need some of what you got. Well, hang out with me. You get some, all right? Because you're just overflowing, overflowing. Right, right relationship, a vital, is this you? A vital living and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you put your name beside that? That's me today. That's what I got right now. I got a vital, living, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I got. Do you? Look what he says in his word. God said, I am the Lord your God. The question is, is he? Is he really? Is he really? Is he really the Lord your God? Because if he's the Lord, then he's the boss. He's the boss. So when he says do it, it's yes, sir. It's not a reminder that you're doing more than your buddy. He just says, do this. When he says, do this, do you say yes? When he says, do this, do you say yes? Or do you share with him the 90% you're doing right, and he can leave your other 10% alone? You'll be fine. He wants to be your Lord. Today, if you're sitting in here in the sound of my voice, and you know he's not just Lord, but he's not even Savior. And I just tell you today that you don't have to walk out of here like you walk in. You can meet the king today. You can meet the great I am. You walked in blind, you'll walk out seeing. You can walk in with no hope, walk out with hope. You can walk in dead, even though you thought you were walking, you were walking dead. You can walk out really alive. Really alive. Folks, there are church people all the time getting saved. All the time. Okay? This building can't not do that for you. You will not have a personal relationship with this building. That's weird. We're going to ask you to go to a different church, okay? Uh, we don't need that, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. You can still stay. 
Okay, but we're going to pray for you. So, uh, but you don't need a personal relationship with church. You need a personal relationship with Jesus. With Jesus. And you're the only one that can answer the question, am I in love with my church or with Jesus? Does the church know my name or does Jesus know my name? You're not going to get to heaven and go, God, you need to call First Baptist because Jeff, Jeff can tell you. I, I, he, you know me. Because I went to that church. He, he pastors that church. He's a good dude. You need to call him. I don't care about Jeff. I'll talk to Jeff when he gets here. Right now, you're here. You beat him. And I don't know you. What do you mean you don't know me? You're not on my row. I joined that church. I, I'm on that row. You need to go call Jeff. I can't help you. We don't get calls from heaven at the church. Tammy, you ever got a call from heaven? We don't go, hey, First Baptist Church, this is God, I need to know. No, you don't get that. you got to be on his row, personal relationship with Jesus, the great I am. And you're the only one can answer the question, do I have a personal relationship with Jesus? Does he know my name? And it, it's not about you knowing his name. I know you know his name. You just said it, Jesus. But does he know yours? Does he know you? And my friend, today, you can experience him in a personal way today. By just been saying yes to him. Lord, I'm lost. I know I'm lost. I've been faking it, pretending. I, I mean, I've just been changing colors and shapes depending on the crowd I'm in. And I'm so sick of that life, I can't keep up anymore. I don't even know who I am. You can know who you are by meeting the one who said, I am. I am the great I am. Number three, principle three, God is powerful. I want you to look at verse two again. Go back to verse two, Exodus 20. Look at the nice little reminder that he gives us. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You say, what, what, why did you say that? Why did you say, you shall have no other God before me? <laughs> That's a good reason for that. Folks, he could have said that, but guess what? If he just says that, most people skip over that. They don't like that. That's too offensive. You know, it's just it's not politically correct. You know, you don't push your ways on me. Don't do that. So what he does is he simply pulls up a chair and he sits beside you and he says, hey, you got a minute? Oh, yeah, I guess. Pushes plate on life. He says, I want you to see what I did for you. Watch this. Remember when you were in slavery? You're free now, aren't you? Yeah, we are. Sweet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Remember when you were this dude? Mm-hmm. You didn't like him, did you? No. Neither did your wife. Okay. But now you're this dude. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Remember this? Remember this? Remember this? Yes. Remember when you thought you couldn't get out of here? Mm-hmm. Remember when you thought you couldn't do that? Mm-hmm. Remember when you thought it was so dark you'd never see light again? Mm-hmm. Remember when you were so heavy you thought you'd never be light again? Yes. See what I did? See what I did? Now let me tell you something. You shall have no other God before me. None. Do you understand? Yeah. 
I do. I do. And I won't, God. You know why? Because I know I can trust you. All I had to do is remember what you've done for me. That's right, son. I got you. I got this thing. You, You serve me and me only. You fix your eyes on me and me only. And you put me first and me only. And, I, I, and I'm telling you, I'll bless your socks off. I got you. And when it's got to be tough, I'm going to prepare you in my word for the battle that waits. And you're going to walk out there in my name, and you're going to win. You see, if he just starts with, you shall have no other God before me, guess what you do? Wait a minute now, that's a little bossy. That's a little bossy. But when he sits you down and he shows you what he did for you, and then he says, now here's the deal. I want nobody before me. Nobody. That changes everything. Everything. We need a reminder of just what God did for us, boy. I want you to think just for a second. Think about all the times when you thought you couldn't, there was no way, you were sunk, you were done, and God pulled you out. God did it. God did it. We've got about probably six or seven men in this church that are under the age of 45 years old that have given their lives to Christ over the last year and a half. Mm. Oh, yeah. When they sit there and God says, I want you to watch this. Now, listen to me. We're not going to go back there, are we? You shall have no other God before me. You see, when you read it that way, (laughs) that's totally different, isn't it? Totally different, man. You know why? He's a personal God. He didn't write these things in stone to be hard. He wrote them so you could never erase them. Never. Never. Time won't change them, man. They'll stand forever. Psalm 40 says that he picked you up out of the mud and the mire, and he set you on a firm place to stand, and he put a new song in your heart, a song of hymn to my God, and many shall sing, and many should see it and hear it and put their trust in the Lord. Hey, you, you singing that? I have no other God before me. Last point is this kind of wrap them both together. Principle four, God is preeminent. God is preeminent. You shall have no other God before me. Brett, pop that last slide for me, buddy. You shall have none. A God is anyone or anything that enjoys your primary devotion. Somebody needs to write that down. Mm. Anything. Anything. Girlfriend, boyfriend, boat, truck, hobby, location, whatever it is. You can make a little bitty G-God out of anything. I used to have students in my student ministry all the time, and they get their license. They say, man, I don't know what's wrong with my parents. I need, I need a car. So what are you going to do with that car when you get that car? I'm going to drive it. I said, you going to go to church more than you go already? I don't know. I said, tell you what, if your parents buy your car, then that means you ought to be able to get to church even more consistently 
than you ever have before because every time you walk in here, you say, the reason I didn't come last week is because my parents didn't bring me. And the reason I don't bring my friends is because my parents won't go pick them up. Okay, so if your parents buy you a car, that means you can get to church more consistently now than ever before. And all of your car should be full of your friends who some are lost and some are not to church. Is that how you see it? Well, I didn't exactly plan it quite like that. Well, let me tell you something. Where much is given, much is required. So if you get that car, then you've got to go get your friends. Because they're going to stay lost until you bring them. Because some people in this world are only going to get saved when God puts us in front of those, those, those people. You're, you're, you're divinely appointed to share Jesus with them. My friends, Jesus must always, always, always be first. Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek him and his righteousness, all these other things shall be added unto you. He knows what you need before you ask. But what it is, is he wants you to seek him first and not worry about all the other stuff. See, we want to seek God after he gives us all the other stuff. Trust me, if he gave you all the other stuff, you wouldn't have time for him. Because you'd have so many gods over here, you wouldn't know who to dance for, that you'd forget you're ultimately supposed to dance for Jesus. He must be your first. My friends, today, the message is very simple. You shall have no other, no other God before me. None. So as we enter a time of invitation, I simply want to send one question out there for you. Not, not a bunch to wrestle with today. Just one. Is there anything else? Anything else? Anything. You don't, it doesn't have to have a name, but is there anything else? Anything that is ultimately your God? Is there anything else that's before him? Is there anything? Is there anything that's getting your primary devotion? That that's your first thought, not Jesus. Is there anything? Can I just tell you something? you got to crush it. You say, well, I can't. It, it's a, it, 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 a $21,000 boat. I don't want to go punch a hole in it. Well, don't punch a hole in it. You can still have it. Possessions are okay as long as possessions don't have you. So you've got you to take over your possessions that they don't overtake you. Okay? Is there anything that's before God? Anything. Anything. I want to lead us in prayer this morning. And I just simply want you to take that question and just simply just ask it over and over. And don't give him the answer that you want him to hear. Let him answer for you. Deal? Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord. I want to invite you this morning to come and receive Christ. Simple as that. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Maybe the struggle of the first commandment is because I really have never as a church, as a, as a family, found a church home. When you don't really have a church home, it's hard to keep one one. And so I invite you this morning, maybe God's leading you here. You can come as well. Let me pray for you and then we'll stand. Father, this morning, your word is so simple.
sometimes we really don't like it that way. We would rather it be very confusing so we can kind of stay in limbo, not say and simply say we don't understand it, we didn't get it. So that requires no obedience out of me because I don't want to do something that I don't know what to do. But Father, your word's simple. You've basically pushed play in our life to remind us of all that you have done for us and then you simply pulled up beside us and put your arm around us and said, listen child, you shall have no other God before me. Please put nothing ahead of me. Nothing. Put nothing ahead of me. Nothing. And since I died for the church, I want nothing before my church in your life as well. So Father, this morning, speak to us right where we're at. God, I don't know where everyone is. But I do know you are speaking. And so, Father, I pray that we would be obedient. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing. So in just a second, when we stand, move us, Father. Move us. And be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand.